High Noon with George Hook. Thanks to ClaytonHotels.com with 17 hotels across Ireland and the UK. Big fan of hurling, though, is Michael Graham. He's in Washington, D.C. Not very famous for its hurling teams, but he joins me now. What do you want to talk about this week, Graham? I'll talk about anything with you, and I'm a big fan of hurling. I, re- I don't understand how people who can enjoy hurling can also enjoy soccer. That's mm-hmm. what I just completely do. How can you go from that nonstop heart attack of excitement that is hurling to that comatose state that you enter watching guys running around the soccer field? I don't get it at and all. And the fellas on the soccer pitch, a high percentage of them are cheats anyway. But uh, <laughs> they are. They dive over. The fella in the cup final, that Super Bowl recently, just dived over trying to get a free kick. Anyway, listen to me. Um, I want to talk to you about restaurants. But this guy, Gordon Ramsay, he's got rules for eating out. Now, he he avoids specials. I, I don't know where he got that one from. Uh, people saying this is famous grouse or something, avoid that, and haggling for wine. Now, I've eaten with you, and on all three fronts, you fail. Yeah, well, I'm no, I'm certainly no Gordon Ramsay when it comes to uh, that. Although sometimes my language drifts in, it drifts into that area. But I, first of all, I got to say, my number one rule about dining out is, if possible, try to avoid dining out with George Hook. That's <laughs> step number one. You are so picky about everything. I am. And you ask the Correct. waitress for like nine different. Hey, could I get the whatever you know the the beef and cheese, but without cheese and no beef? I mean, you just everything you do is a uh, verbal wrestling match with the help. So I don't appreciate and it. Having said coffee. that, and cold coffee. Don't yes, forget yes, that. and you're paranoid about the the temperature of the coffee. Having said that, you've taken me to some to some of the best restaurants I've ever been to. We've dined at the Westbury, which was great. You took me to that place in Temple Bar, the uh, Reestoffel, the D- Dutch Indonesian. Oh, I did. Uh, rest- yeah. Yeah. yeah, Chameleon, I think it was. Something Chameleon, like that. Anyway, I think it was called, yeah. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. So you've exposed me to great stuff, and you gave me a chance to do the Michael Graham system for dining out, and it's very, very simple. Number one, if you don't have the money to go out and eat, don't go out and eat, because it's very frustrating when I waited tables, and it's frustrating for me as a customer when I go to a restaurant where you know that if you're not going to spend 40, 50 euros, you're not going to be able to use the menu, then don't go there. Either don't go out, go grab a burger or whatever, but wait until you can go so that when you can go, you can enjoy it. Second thing is, and this drives my wife crazy. My attitude is the guys in the kitchen, and I used to work in restaurants a bit, and I've cooked a little bit, they know what they're doing. So when I go to a new restaurant, if possible, I order chef's choice. I ask whatever the chef's in the mood to make tonight. I, I'm very fortunate. I don't have any food allergies. don't have to worry about that. I eat almost everything. And I have had some astonishing amazing meals by doing that, including this beef with goose liver dish that I had when I was visiting uh, Israel in uh, in the uh, Iraqi section of Jerusalem. It was insanely good. I never would have ordered it. I would have looked at it and said, ah, that looks too weird. It was fantastic. So you just sit down, chef's choice. It's never done me wrong. I've never shared your view of food. Last time I ate with you was in Washington, D.C., and you tried me to, to sell me on something called the Ozobuco or something. Yes, Ozobuco. Yeah. Fantastic. No, you thought it was fantastic. 
No, it was fan. It absolutely is. It's amazing. The shank, it's delicious. And if you get it done, right, I, it's I had to go. I had to go back to the hotel, the Dubon Circle, and have another lunch to fill up yeah. the space. Well, I, I will say, George, you do work heavily on the tonnage. And then <laughs> the other thing that I that 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 apparently people don't agree with me on. I don't understand why. When it comes to the service, now, as you know, George, America is much more reliant on tipping for wages for waitstaff than in Europe. We expect a lot more tipping. It drives you crazy to tip. I know that. Um, but what has happened is be, as the uh, this new era of the kind of wimpification of American culture, the everyone's uh, too too terrified to have a confrontation. No one wants to be rude. Everyone's a wimp. What's happened is that we've gone from tipping which is you serve me and then I give you money based on your service now to just we just give them the money no matter how badly they suck. No, don't do that. If you're at a no, restaurant. Michael, I've been in America and I've tried this. Don't give them a tip when the service is crappy. And then they follow you into the street and they threaten you <laughs> uh, with verbal and physical <laughs> abuse if you don't give them a tip. I mean, it's, the American waiting system is based on the assumption that the, the customer can calculate 15% of any number. And so you just put 15% on the bottom. I remember being in another place in Providence around and I went to bed and then I'm woken up at about two o'clock in the morning because they've obviously tidying up the paperwork and he says, you forgot to put a tip. Can I add 15%? And I said, first of all, you've woken me up and secondly, exactly. no, you can't because it's rubbish. But this Ramsey guy, I have no time for him anyway. I think he's a, I think he's a fake, but he says, another tip is, if you're planning for dinner for two, book a table for three. That way you'll have more room to spread out and it's less likely the restaurant will stick you in the corner. Now, if everybody follows that system <laughs> and, and Ramsey's restaurateur, this is the interesting thing. Right. He's a restaurateur and he's, he's attempting to create chaos. We book for two and they put us in the corner. So what? I, I just want to get back to the, the tipping thing real quickly. The phrase is called stiffing. And no, it is not rude language. It's not a euphemism for, well, not in this circumstance. It's called stiffing. And it is mandatory because if you don't have the stiff, if you don't have the ability to say no, you you were terrible. I sat and I waited. My food got cold. You didn't refill beverages. You didn't do your job that you were hired to do. Then okay. it's not tipping. You have to have stiffing to have, to have it make it work. And you're right, George. Wait, waiters will fo sometimes follow you out because they're, what has happened is people become come to this idea that you have no right to judge me okay. and so you owe me the money. Well, no, it is my job to judge you. That's what it's called. That's why it's called a tip. And when they come out and they follow me into the street and they say, why do you tip me? I said, well, because you were terrible. You did an awful job and you shouldn't work in this business. Can, can I tell you anything else? And I've yet to have one of them disagree. Their right, answer is always, yeah, yeah, but I need the money. Right. It's the same thing with your idiotic health care plan you got are coming up with yeah but i need it what does that got to do with anything this is your job i can't believe by the way george you guys well, are now i have to tell you this is a party of the left um, called the social democrats and they're launching a new 10-year plan for Ireland's health system, right? It's going to cost us about close to 6 billion euro over the next 10 years and everything's going to be free my favorite part is the plan commits to reducing wait times to a maximum of 12 weeks for inpatient procedures. 
and ma mandates lower drug costs. Really? And how are you going to do that? What's your plan? Well, we're just going to say it. We're going to write another piece of paper. Everybody gets cheaper drugs and no one has to wait. Okay, but what are you going to do when there's actually no doctor there to take care of you and the drug companies won't sell their drugs because they can't sell them without losing money? What's your plan? Well, we're just going to write another piece of paper. <laughs> we'll send them a sternly worded letter. You know, stuff costs money. People have skills. It's the, the notion that the most important person in a healthcare transaction is the patient is idiocy. There are always plenty of patients. The most important person is the medical care provider because they have the, the scarce product. They have the skill, ability, training to provide the care. They're the most important person. If you don't figure out a way to take care of them, then the whole system will shut down because the patients will never run out, but the doctors will. Uh, you see, I can't. It, the problem with the left always, and and it doesn't matter whether it's Jeremy Corbyn of the Labour Party in Britain or whatever, um, they they come up with a system which is a great idea. I mean, I think it's a great idea to get stuff for nothing. I'm all in favour <laughs> of getting stuff for nothing, but somebody has to pay. So if I get it for nothing. It means somebody else is paying for it. And they they don't ever work out how we're going to pay for it. Well, except water, George, which, of course, everybody gets for free because water just comes to your house all by itself in the magic pipes. So and as, as everyone knows, in Ireland, water is magic. And so no one has to pay for anything for that. But, but we, uh, back to we can't raise six billion. The problem is that if we, we can't afford six billion. So we turn around. This won't happen. But see, if but George, you're George, stop, 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 George, you missed the big point. It's not the six billion. If I if if uh, Bill Gates called up tomorrow and said, I'm sending 6 billion euros over, you know, have fun, don't get dirty. The healthcare system still wouldn't work because that 6 billion would run out because it wouldn't be uh, spread based on the, the, a way that made sense. It would be spread around based on politics. And so the problem is what do you do when that 6 billion runs out? Because you can all, you can tax enough money to keep the system plodding along for a while. Then eventually you hit what England has hit, which is that you have to tell some people you have to die. There is no care left for you. We have to ration your care. You have to come to a hospital that's full of rats and roaches. You have to sit out in a hallway on a bed and be unattended because we're out of care. We don't have enough people and facilities. Th those are your choices, either the free market, which forces efficiency, or rationing. Those are the only two choices. And it doesn't matter if someone gave you 6 billion euros today, you'd run out of that. What do you think the Irish government would do 6 billion? Euros, George. It would be liquor and high living until they ran out. Well, no, they would waste it, and we like yeah. uh, we we waste I don't know thirteen billion or fourteen billion or whatever we spend at the moment for a crappy service, and then so the, the suggestion is you know it becomes twenty billion, but it doesn't matter if you have a rubbish service throwing money at the problem doesn't fix it. Nowhere in this plan. Do I find ways of fixing it? What I find is that they said if we spend more money, we can get a free fear. It'll magically happen. You'll be guaranteed only 10 days for a diagnostic test. Yeah. Well, how do you guarantee that? How do you make sure there are enough labs available, enough machines available, enough techs available to guarantee that? Are you going to make people at the point of a gun show up for work? Because they're going to say, hey, you want me to work that much? You have to pay me this much. Well, we can't afford that. Not if it's free. And so at some point, there's going to be scarcity. There's going to be scarcity of labor or scarcity of resources or scarcity of patients. Those are, those, there's no way around that, that 
economic, basic economic knowledge. And all of your Trinity College graduates know that. And yet they pretend that they can just vote it away, that somehow, somewhere out there, there are millionaires and billionaires who will just throw the money out and everybody will get free stuff. All right. Uh, okay. You haven't changed my mind about ever again eating lunch or dinner with you. <laughs> I'm telling you, Iriki Restaurant in Washington, D.C., fantastic. You had a great meal. You just didn't know enough to appreciate it. That's that's different. And I'm telling you, try um, uh, Chef's Choice, but you got to do it at the at a restaurant, you know, with chefs. It doesn't work if you do it at the you know place where they serve you food in a bag. They don't know what that means. But if it's a nice place, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, well, of course, right, Cork restaurants are ringing up in droves wanting to know when you're coming to Cork. Yes, when am I coming to Cork? It is the one major part of Ireland I've never seen. We're ready for you. We're ready for you. I want to go to Cork with the original Cork man. So when they put up that statue, I can watch you when you model for it, George. Yes, and we're going to bring you to a hurling match in the home of hurling. So all you Cork listeners, let me know at 53106 whether you want Michael Graham in Cork or not. If we get a majority (laughs) wanting him in Cork, we will bring him. Thanks, Michael. Talk to you next week. Thank you.